0: But um, I, yeah, I'm blessed to actually not get be dead today. So I got hit with my surfboard, was underwater, unconscious for a second or two, and then woke up, and here I am. So anyway, so Jesus still loves me even if I would have been dead. But anyway, let's talk about, I want to talk about a couple things today um, about where we receive our value from. Um, That's a question for you guys. What it, like... What is, where do we get our value as people? Anyone? Culture. culture, okay. What is the culture like? How does the culture give us value? Okay, good. What else? What can't hear it. Uh, he said, ooh, that was a little loud. Um, He said culture gives us value, the traditions of our past is what gives us meaning or value. What else brings us value, not only culturally, but individually? Our job. So we receive some of our identity from our job. What else? Family. Family. Okay. Okay, opinions of others. Good. So what are all these things that we just said? What are the things? Traditions, jobs, opinions of others, our family... What are those in relation to who we are, who I am? It's external, okay? So we receive our value externally from ourselves, and that's kind of an interesting thing when you think about it, that we as people receive all of our value comes externally. We base who we think we are on the jury of our peers, okay? So it's kind of an interesting way to... um, for us to have, if you look at creation and evolution, if we were, let's just say we were created in God's image, which is what I believe we actually were, um, that when he created us and he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, they received their validation from God and their their relationship directly with him. Because you see, when when Moses writes about Adam and Eve, he says they were in the garden, and they were naked, and they were not ashamed. So their value and their, everything about them was received from, from, I was gonna say Jesus, because it ultimately was Jesus prior to him being Jesus. Anyway, they received their validation from God, okay? So he gave them everything about them. So the first thing that they noticed when they chose to disregard the one rule they had to live by, um, they noticed, they were like, holy moly, I don't have any clothes on, which is kind of odd if you look at it from a, a perspective of, if we, are, if we evolved, why, why are we the only species that decides that we have to wear clothes? Why, do, why don't monkeys wear clothes? Why don't dogs wear clothes? Unless we put a sweater on them because they're cold at the beach. There's really, no, there's really no point. So it kind of like, all of a sudden, we've taken this shame thing on us. Does that make sense? Like We have this innate need to be externally validated, and we cover ourselves up. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but um, so I want to look today at how we receive our validation from God, and not that we and we don't need to take it just from the jury of our peers. Probably need my glasses. So in in understanding that we receive our validation from God, who we are? It's based on not like a set of actions, but it's a relationship. Can you guys, like, when you think about your relationship with your significant other, can you give, like, can you give a definition to it? Like, how does it, so he got his little sparkly, shoe. oh, it's not the sparkly shoe dude. Dom was running around here a couple weeks ago, and he was all stoked about his shoes. He's like, run up and and the whole point was because he had lights on his shoes, it was kind of funny. Um, but if, how do we define a relationship? De- relationships are hard to define. I mean, would you guys, like, if you say, well, this, I can talk about my wife, Chrissy, this is my wife, Chrissy, how do I define what that is? Is it defined by a set of actions? There's their rules or there are certain behaviors that define what that is. But ultimately, if I say, well, this is my wife, and I provide, I go to work every week, and I provide food, and I provide a place for her to live, and I do all these things, but yet I take that and say, well, I do that for someone else too. What, is, what does that define about that relationship? Does that make sense? Like it's not, it's not something that can be completely quantified. You guys get that? Does that kind of make sense? So, if we can't exactly define um, what our relationship, how we define what a relationship is. I've got myself lost. Um, we need to go back to looking at what, I need to go back to looking at what a relationship is. We've got eight pages of notes and little numbers here and there. Um, (coughs) God seeks to have a relationship with us, and that's the way that he created us to be. He desires us and desires to have a relationship with us, and so when that relationship was lost, we continue to receive our external validation, or our validation externally of, one, of ourselves. And God wants to be the one that is giving us our validation because ultimately, that's how we can show that we love God and that He loves us as well. Um, I wrote some verses down too that kind of define define that. Seek ye for, look first for the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. And God, so you Jesus says this, and then we look. Well, what does he mean by what are the things that are going to be added, added to us? And another verse: go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them, teaching and preaching to them all the things that you've seen and heard. So, again, he's telling us to do something, so what is that? And the last the last verse that I want to have in here is that for this is how they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So if we have Jesus in our lives and, and he gives us the validation that we all as humans seek, that's what we're going to be able to give to others. So what is that? So what does that look like for Jesus when he loved when he loved other people? This is what happens when you use, like, two notebooks. So we're asked that... So Jesus tells us that we're going to be known for our love for one another. And and he tells us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God is semi-easy to understand. Like, we are supposed to love him with everything we have, with our physical being, with our emotions, everything about us is to love God and that's fully committed to Him. And then He tells us too to love your neighbor as yourself. So when you say, well what does that mean, to love my neighbor as myself? I can use because uh... we understand what it means to love ourselves. Is, like For myself, like to use the example of my chin this week, like, for me to love myself is to take care of myself. So if I didn't take care of myself, like my chin, like, it would still be hanging off the end of my chin because it wouldn't have been sewn up and taken care of. So do I, like for people, like I take care of my body because I need to take care of it because I know what it needs. When I see my chin hanging off my face, I go, that's a problem, I probably need to do something about it and I go do something about it. Now, it, I could, Take and look at my chin and go, well, you know what? You were really supposed to be working. I slid out of work early, because the surf was good, so I went, to, went and surfed, whacked myself in the face. So really, if I say, well, no, you weren't actually working, you were playing around, so really you don't need to get your chin sewn up, because that's what you get for screwing around. Well, let's take that as people we see that need help. Like, so let's talk about somebody on, that's homeless, or anybody that we see that has needs. Well they chose to do that they're addicted to whatever i'm you know recover i'm in recovery and so i understand what it means to be addicted to alcohol i get that so if i say well we can't help him we can't help phil because he chose that so where do we get when do we get to make that decision like we get to choose not to help that guy because he chose to be addicted or do we get to help them because if we love our neighbor as ourselves, I need to help myself because I just split my chin open screwing around. So does that make sense? Do you guys, are you following me, what it means to love myself and to love our neighbors in that way? That there's not, we can't define when or when we don't get to love our neighbor. We love our body and take care of our body in the same way that we're supposed to love our neighbor no matter what that may have predicated their problem or whatever their need might be. Okay? So, I don't know, does that make sense to you guys? It makes sense to me because I got whacked in the face with a surfboard and I needed to get it fixed. So, um, so again, that Jesus defines who we are by him telling us that he loves us and he cares for us, and that's how we show the rest of the world that we have Jesus in us. It's not, I think we muck everything up by, we overthink things. Like Jesus, like when I was talking about relationships, like completely defining what my relationship to my wife looks like, if you just break it down into its component parts, it looks like I'm taking care of somebody, but it doesn't mean she's my wife. Because I can do the same thing to skip. I can provide. I can meet all his needs. He's my friend. Well, what makes the difference? It's, a, it's that intangible thing that makes what a relationship, a relationship. Okay, so we can take Jesus, and I think a lot of times the problem with the church, and I'm not saying this church, but I'm saying in general that the picture that we've painted for ourselves in the world, like the way the world sees us is that we have we make a bunch of hoops for them to jump through before we're going to help them? Um, like you got to you, you can't just come in here and stagger in and be all, oh you know whatever because well you're not you you reek of alcohol and pot and what are you doing here? Maybe you should go get cleaned up first and then you can come back and then we can talk about what we can do to help you. That's not. It's not it. So how am I supposed to get my chin fixed if I walk in to the doctor and say, dude, I'm bleeding? He's like, well, you did that to yourself. Go fix that, and then you can come back and I'll fix that. Does that make sense? Like, So we've done this. We've painted ourselves into this corner where we've taken this thing, because God is God, and we can't... Theology helps us define him in certain aspects, and he tells us things about himself, but it's not completely definable. He's, like, there's a lot of aspects of God that we can define, but yet there's so many aspects of him that we can't grasp. But he just says, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we're supposed to do, and we go, okay. But, wait a minute, my neighbor, and then all of a sudden we start defining what our neighbor's supposed to be, and you see Jesus, again, addressing that when he talks about the the guy that gets beat up between Jer- I think Jericho and Jerusalem, is that? Mike, will help. Is that right? Gets helped by the Samaritan. So, you know, like if, if that story was told today, that would be like some guy gets beat up, he gets passed by an ultra-conservative pastor, extremely conservative Republican, and a, a gay homosexual with AIDS stops and helps this guy. That's how that story was told, but yet... He's loving his neighbor because he sees the need and he helps him and he takes care of it. So we need to get past the fact that we've missed so much of of loving people in Jesus' name that we've got caught up in the semantics of what it means to be a neighbor. So... We also, in understanding that we have a relationship with God, we need to um, we need to have confidence in that, knowing that Jesus loves us and that He's telling us He's going to meet our needs and He's going to take care of us. And this, um, I've been reading this book called uh, "In Search of God Knows What." He's the the guy that wrote "Blue Like Jazz," and there's a a story he talks about, which is you know makes a lot of sense to me. But he's talking to Peter after, the, after his resurrection. You know the whole story of when Peter, they're out, they're hanging around, and Jesus has already shown up a couple of times, and Peter tells his buddies, you, you don't have to put the verse up if you don't want to. You didn't, did you? Okay, good. Um, he, he's hanging out with his buddies, and he's like, you know what, I'm done sitting around. Let's go fishing. So there's a few of them They go fishing, and they're doing their normal fishing thing. How many Like most of you guys who ever fish, most of the time, you're really not fishing, you're casting. And then you come home, and your wife's like, what'd you do all day? I was fishing. and said, well, if you were fishing, you would have fish, but so they were out casting. So Jesus shows up, and he says, hey, you guys catch anything? And they're like, no. And he's to say, well, they don't recognize him. He th- say, throw the net on the other side of the boat, and you're going to catch a bunch of fish, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, you know. <laughs> I just think it's funny because, like, when you really, like, because they didn't recognize Jesus, so they don't know who he is. It'd be like, you know, for us, we're fishing. You're, you're fishing on one side of the pier, and someone goes, hey, buddy, you catch something? You're like, no. And he's like, well, cast on the other side of the dock. I bet you're going to catch something big. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, it makes absolutely, you're like, all right, who is this guy? And you're looking, and you're going, all right, dude, we've tried everything else. You know, because I'm sure there was a discussion between these guys because they're like, this guy's a clown. But, you know, we've tried everything else. We've used squid. We've used anchovies. We tried the dynamite. That didn't even work. And we're not catching anything. Let's, let's try it. So they do it. Bam, catch a fish. A whole bunch of them, 153 to be exact. At which point John says, that's Jesus. And Peter's all, "Woohoo!" And he jumps in the boat, out of the boat, and swims in, and Jesus already got food. He's cooking fish, and he goes, to, goes on to ask G, uh, Peter a series of questions. He asks Peter, he says, you know, do you love me more than these? And the thing, the twist that, and I can't remember, that, um, the guy that said this, not the dude that wrote Blue Like Jazz, but this other guy, he says... Do you love me more than these? The twist is is that everybody has always thought that Jesus is asking, Do you love me more than these? Like your disciple the other disciples. And this guy says, Why would he compare Peter's love for him with others? Because what we're kind of talking, we get our validation externally, so what can Peter do later on? Well, guys, everybody knows that I love Jesus more than you guys, because he said it. Remember when we were sitting around the fire and we caught all those fish? Jesus, he's saying, what if Jesus was talking about the fish? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than the way that you provide for yourself? Do you trust me enough to live your life the way I've asked you to live your life? So then all of a sudden you go, well, that makes a lot of sense. So you think, okay, well, if Jesus is saying, do you love me more than the way that you're going to provide, more than the way that you get your external validation? Like, who Peter is is defined by what he does. He knows he's a failure. He's a fisherman. He's not the cream of the crop guy. He, he works hard for what he does. He's sitting around. Jesus says, hey, just hang out. Don't do anything. Just wait for me. And finally, he's like, I don't know what this dude's talking about. I got rent to pay in two days. We got to go do something. This, is, this ain't getting it. I'm going to go do what I know how to do because I already said I was going to follow Jesus. I was going to follow him end, I was going to die. I was going to do all these things. And what do I do? Jing, give him the double finger as soon as I get the opportunity to say, I know Jesus, and he failed him. So he thinks, my life's over. He goes back to what he knows. So he says, that's what I know how to do. So when Jesus shows up and he says, do you really love me more than these? And he's like, come on, God, are you kidding me? You know I love you more than that. I love you way more than that. And he asks him three times, and he keeps saying, if you do, then feed my sheep, take care of them. And Peter's like, no, you know I do. To the point of not just exasperation but hurt knowing that he's like Jesus you know my thoughts you know that I love you so what can we take away from that other than say that Jesus shows Peter look I want you to do something it's not going to be completely defined but I'm going to provide for you Like he, Peter shows up they show up and Pe- Jesus already cooked up breakfast he's got fish and bread for him doesn't say where it came from. Maybe he bought them, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that Jesus met their immediate need of breakfast, because if they were fishing, they were fishing all night. So he met their immediate need of breakfast. Then he met their future needs with 153 large fish. I don't know what that equates to in that economy, but I know those guys were pretty stoked about I mean, for them to say there were 153 large fish, that's fairly significant to them. So he met their immediate and future needs at that point. And he's saying, you need to feed my sheep. Don't, you know, so it's kind of implied. He's already said, you're going to be a fisher of men. Follow me. He said at the beginning of the ministry, three years prior when they first started following him, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's what they're going to do. So now he's saying, do it. Just follow me. And then what does Peter do? And then Jesus says, you're going to eventually die in a grim, horrible death. And, and then he goes, well, what about John? What about this guy? And he's like, you know what, don't even worry about that guy. I need you to follow me. So he's saying the same, he's telling him, Peter, in his mind, he's like, well, again, external validation, thinking about himself. He kind of flip-flops, he goes back, he's like, well, what about this guy? Just don't even worry about that, dude. That's not your problem. Your problem is, I want you to follow me. So we have a call on our lives that God has said, I want you guys to follow me. Does that look, what does that look like? Does it Is it defined? Yeah, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does that mean? Take care of somebody when you see them in a need. Whatever that is, if it's a physical need, whether you see somebody and you go, that dude's bummed, maybe I should talk to him, and maybe I get to pray for him. So, And and today was good, praying for Jack and Ryan, because I think a lot of times and not to put anything on those guys, because they're doing this is really cool what they're doing, but all of us, every single day, are going out into a world where there's people who need Jesus. And we all have that. That's their calling right now, is to go, they're going to Bali, and they're going to go serve there, and they're going to go meet people who God puts in front of them. So what do we get to do? We get to meet people right out there that God puts in front of us. So we really could all come up here and pray for each other. Because it's, it's the same thing. It's still people. God loves people. Because that's what his kingdom is. His kingdom is people. I think, that was one of the things I was thinking about this morning. Going, you know what? You know, the kingdom of God is here among you. And I'm like, you know, everybody makes it this big mystery. Like, oh, like if we, we can get into the seventh dimension, man. And we'll see the gold. And it's like... There's no seventh, there might be a seventh dimension, I don't know, but the, the dimension of the kingdom of God is sitting right next to you. Like, we are the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So if we're that, that's the coolest thing ever. We get to, we're in God's kingdom right now, and these guys get to fly halfway around the, God's kingdom and hang out with a bunch of cool people, and then you guys better go surfing your, while you're there, right? Huh? Huh? Come on. See, that's, that's my boys. That's a good thing. So, but we get to do that. We get to be in God's kingdom. We don't have to have some hoop de doop you know, and thanks. Chris is doing a great job getting his master's in theology. I don't want to toss him under the bus. But we don't have to have that. You guys get that? We don't have to have that. We have Jesus telling a fisherman Who's uneducated, and it gets pointed out a couple chapters later in the in the Bible in Acts when he's going, people are going, these guys are uneducated. How in the world are they talking in our language? They got to be drunk. It's like these guys are like, dude, I'm not an alcoholic. I, I'm not drinking. It's only nine. Like some of us professionals would be drinking by nine, but not these guys. They were just hanging out. So we all have the same thing. We're, we all get to love people in Jesus' name. So anyway, that kind of makes me smile a little bit. Um, so one, I got a cool, another cool story from getting whacked in the chin with my surfboard. So one of my friends who's like, he's pretty funny. This dude, he totally loves Jesus, but when you look at what the church says about what he's supposed to look like, He's, he cleans up pretty nice, but for the most part, he, you're just like, really? That dude, no relationship with Jesus? There's no, you know, come on, really? So he follow. he's funny, because he's like, I'm still kind of in a little bit of a fog when I gotta drive home and tape my chin back together, and he's like, dude, you want me to follow you in case you pass out? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be good, and I'm thinking driving, I'm like, he's like two cars behind me, how is this gonna help the whole situation? <laughs> So anyway, so he comes to my house and tapes my chin up and all that stuff. But the next day he calls and he says, hey man, how you doing? And I'm all, I'm good. And, and he's, he's struggled with alcohol and drugs and d- the dude's been beat up by life. And some of it's life and some of it's his own choices. But he's been beat up. And you know what he says? He goes, <clears throat> he's like, man, can I pray for you? And, and I'm all, yeah. But he wouldn't be... He wouldn't be the guy that you'd think would say, man, can I pray for you? Because he doesn't look like what we say a Christian is supposed to look like. He's that, but he loves Jesus. And he cusses, and he smokes, and he doesn't clean up nice, but he loves Jesus. And he's living out what he has, the seed of Jesus Christ, the love of a God who has sought him out from the beginning of time. He lives it. And it doesn't always look nice. But you know what? None of us are that perfect and clean on the outside. But we all get to do that. So, um, Then I think the last thing, the, the woman at the well, you guys, we've talked about that. Chris has talked about it. And she's just a good example of looking at the Bible again and saying Jesus shows up and He's talking to a Samaritan and she's, why are you talk to me? You can't talk to me because you're a Jew and you guys are perfect and I'm a failure. I'm a half-breed and I've got five husbands and blah, blah, blah. Again, everything you're not supposed to be. And Jesus, he blesses her and he loves her. And what does she do? The external validation she's been looking for in men, in society, what, what society's saying, oh, She's really far down on the ladder of societal goodness because she's a half breed. The Jews don't like him. They're like, what in the world are these people doing here? Doesn't like her. And what does she do? Jesus loves her in one little thing and blesses her. Next thing you know, she's running back town. You guys, I, just, I think I met the Messiah. This dude told me everything about, about me. You've got to come see this. Has she cleaned up her act? Has she kicked her boyfriend out of the house? Has she stopped partying? probably not in the whole time that she walked back, she didn't, you know, she's still this broken lady. But all of a sudden, the father, the God of creation, touched that little spot in her heart that was damaged and wounded and he's like, I love you. And he didn't put anything on her, he just said, I love you. And she's like, whoa, this guy, this is unbelievable. And that's what we get to do. So, when we go out there today, we get to Look for people that are hurt and damaged, who have their chin hanging off their face, and don't ask them, well, how'd you do that? And Well, once you get that fixed, I can pray for you. No, fix it. Walk with them through it. Okay? Anyway, speaking of which, we get to pray for each other. So, you guys, if you have things that, whatever you need prayer for, let's pray for each other. Don't, don't look at yourself and think, well, you know, and all this is another confession before the, you know. I, I don't, I'm afraid to pray for people. I don't, I really am. So, like, when it's prayer time, like, whoever would be up here saying that, I'm, like, fumbling around with my coffee kind of sliding out the door. Oh, i got to go see if the dog's okay in the car because I don't like to pray for people because it makes me uncomfortable. So if you're feeling that way today and somebody says, hey, can you pray for me, or just do it. Because I, I'm going to try to find a way to slide out of here without praying for anybody, too. But somebody needs to pray for somebody. So, so anyway, so let's, let's try to love each other. I, I know we do. And I'm not, I don't want to say that as a condescending thing. I, it's such a blessing to have Jesus tell us that he loves us and that we get to be the example of him. And, you know... We're better off over-loving somebody than underloving them. I think the church in Jesus' name has underloved people for a really long time, and if we kind of blow it in the other direction for a little while, it'd be kind of fun to see what happens, because I think it would probably right a few wrongs. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for who you are and um, for loving us, for letting me come up here and talk about what you've taught me and... Father, that you would just, your spirit would be real in our lives today as we leave this room and that you would bless Jack and Ryan as they go and they just enjoy your world and they get to enjoy not only the the creation of the waves and the trees and the plants, and but more importantly, they get to enjoy the kingdom that you've made and the kingdom of people that are halfway around the world. and that you would put people before them that they could love and that they would just get to love each other and just be friends and be with us today too as we walk before you. Um, help us just to love people. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. I don't know how to really segue into praying for people, but go find somebody to pray for. And if you guys need to talk to somebody about whatever, find somebody to talk to about it. So, Yes? Oh, you know, and then after yeah, let's do that and then I for, if anybody has any words, let's do that after Brandon. You wanna just pray for Chris and his family? And then if you have any words that you feel like God's told you to share with us, let's do that too. Go ahead, Brandon. All right, anybody have a word or? Yes, go. Um Yeah, I've got a uh, word, and this is something that really impacted me, but I really got that I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Geiska. Oh, Betty?